Hi, welcome back to Travel Time. Today I'm sharing some tips and things that we did while we were in London with the boys. I had been to London several times for work and fell in love with the city. I really wanted my husband and the boys to experience it as well. So since we had a trip coming up at the time to visit family in Denmark, we decided to add on some days in London on the way to Denmark. The most expensive part for us is always getting the flights over to Europe. And once we're in Europe, the prices between European cities for a short flight is much more reasonable. So we flew into Heathrow and then at the end of our days in London, flew over to Denmark for the rest of our trip. We also had the bonus of when we got to visit our family, we weren't jet lagged at all by the time we arrived. We arrived in the morning, London time, and had a while before our room was ready. So we checked our bags at the hotel and went exploring on the first day. We walked over toward Buckingham Palace, saw part of the changing of the guard, and enjoyed just a walk around the park nearby. Then we took a boat ride on the Thames. We were getting pretty tired and trying to stay awake until because of the jet lag until we could get into the hotel. And this was actually a really good strategy. We were able to see sites along the Thames, like the Globe Theatre, London Eye, Tower of London, etc. But we also got to relax a bit and, of course, try to stay awake. It was a nice thing to do while we waited for our hotel room. We finally checked in and then had an early dinner just before bed at a nearby Nando's. Tried to again stay up until at least late evening so the next day we would have less jet lag, which worked pretty well. The first full day we went to the Tower of London. I had done the self-guided tour when I was in London alone, but for this one we bought our admission tickets in advance and we planned to join the Yeoman Warder Tour. I cannot recommend the Yeoman Rotor Tour enough. Also known as the Bee Feeders, the Yeoman Warders share history as well as stories from the castle's thousands of years of history. Be aware that the Tower of London is very old, and as such, this particular tour is not fully accessible. Through the site, they are, they're cobbled on even walkways, and there are some stairs during the tour itself. We had allocated almost a whole day for this, so we could see most everything, and had lunch right inside the tower in the cafe that was there. The tickets for this started about 34 pounds for adults, kids are about 17 pounds. Definitely recommend it. You get to see a lot of different things from a lot of different periods of the history from the very early days when the center part that later became where they would house like prisoners and things was actually the castle was actually the palace um, and then out to the days where that shifted a bit and it was used for other things. Just really interesting to hear from so many different periods of history so many different things that went on there. I highly recommend again. There's also, for those of you who are interested in things like this, they have an exhibition of the British Royal or Crown Jewels in there as well that you do get to see on the tour. Not something I'm typically super interested in, but it is there and I know a lot of people love to go see those things. So I just wanted to mention that as well. We later headed over to the British Museum. We had a shorter visit there than planned because during our trip it was super hot. And since very hot weather in London is fairly unusual, there aren't open air conditioning or fans out and about in most of the buildings. We visited the ancient antiquity session as well as the Rosetta Stone itself, but we only stayed in there about an hour because it was so uncomfortably hot and stuffy inside. The next day, we had booked a tour through Viator that went out to Stonehenge. It ran about 122 pounds per person. We started off at Windsor Castle. This was a neat stop where we had some time to do a tour of the public accessible part of the castle and see some of the grounds. Um, we were also able to pick up lunch at a little place on the way back to the bus 
so that we could eat on the way to the next stop. If you've ever wanted a stuffed corgi, I will tell you this is an excellent spot to get one because it seemed like every street side stand was selling corgi. We drove on to Bath, England and had a couple hours to explore on our own, including the Roman baths. The book tour actually included a ticket into the baths and we had people dressed as Roman centurions inside that we could take pictures with, which was kind of fun. And just seeing the baths and things from that, from way back in that ancient time frame, was a really cool experience. After Bath, it was on to Stonehenge for the tour. The, this was a really nice way to be able to see all three of these things in one trip. It, the bus trip in between was a little bit long, but it didn't feel that long because there were stops in, the stops in between. At Stonehenge, we had about an hour to explore the site and store in a cafe that are there. To me, that was about the most perfect amount of time anymore, and it would have been too much any less and we maybe would have felt that we might not have been able to see like the, the bookstore where they had books about the history of Stonehenge and things like that. At Stonehenge you park and then you do walk out to the site where there's a rock formation. For me it was truly great to finally see it in person after years of seeing it on TV or in pictures. I just really love bringing this particular thing to life. The next day we explored Westminster Abbey first and again here we purchased admission tickets in advance. For the Abbey, you choose a visit date and a time, and booking in advance helps ensure you didn't wait in the long lines, and it also ensured that we knew that we would get in at the time we wanted to. Since we were there in the summertime, if you, if you just show up and it's a particularly busy day, you might not be able to go. Plus, if you don't check the site first, you might not realize there's an important event going on. I mean, presumably you would notice if it was like a royal wedding, because it takes over the whole town. <laughs> But in general, like if there's sometimes it is closed for ceremonies of state and things like that. So that does affect their opening hours or when you can come through and tour. We also got audio devices that whisper in your ear as you go through the site when we went. Um, and the map shows you what order to go in to each room to stay on track with the audio guide. So there's a little one, two, three. One thing I mentioned on this, ideally you want to stay on track with the order of the audio guide if you're doing the audio guide, just so it makes sense. But the other thing that we found was since each one of us had our own audio guide and our kids aren't little, we weren't necessarily focusing on making sure we were staying exactly together because we knew we'd all end at the same point. Well, one person in our group, my husband went all out of order and just kind of went whatever, grabbed his eye next. And when we got to the end of the tour, he was not there. He was missing altogether. And the thing is, you can't pass out to see if the person's left because you can't get back in. So we kept walking around the Abbey looking all over for him. And it turns out he was outside the tour area where you can't get back in once you exited. And he had wandered off to the gift shop. Well, our phone coverage was not really great on this day, especially in, within the church. So if he was texting us, we weren't receiving them. Likewise, we couldn't get in contact with him, so eventually what happened was we just went ahead and went outside figuring maybe he left the building and will find us out there, and if he hasn't, maybe eventually he'll figure out to do that too. So eventually we did find him outside and he had already left and gone through the turnstile so he couldn't get back in and assumed that we would just know that he had done that. But I just mentioned that if you have a group where everyone's old enough to do it and you're all kind of walking at your own pace, if someone's not following the order, they may end up at the end way before everybody else and like not know where everybody else is. So just something to know. To me, all that aside, the Abbey is amazing. Both the beauty and the age of the building and the historical figures who have their final resting place there. As you all know, I'm very into history and so all that to me is just bringing so much of that to life. I highly recommend making time for it. 
It costs about 29 pounds per adult. Pretty easy to get tickets online, especially if you do it in advance. We went from the Abbey over to the Churchill's War Rooms. These were recommended to me by a co-worker who I knew was a who knew I was a history buff. It did not disappoint. I tell everyone I know going to London to make sure to see it if they're into history. It costs 32 pounds for entry and booking in advance here as well is highly recommended to ensure you get a slot. It is um, an underground series of tunnels and rooms, so they do somewhat limit the number of people who can be down there in a certain period in a certain period of time. It took us the website estimates two hours. I think it took us two and a half hours. In fairness, we read most everything probably and took our time going through it. So you could probably figure you could see it in two to three hours, depending on how thorough you like to be with seeing almost everything that's in there. The museum, like I said, is pretty much entirely underground. Churchill ran most of this part, his part of the war effort from within this underground bunker under the cabinet buildings. The bunker included places that they slept, map and command centers, they had a phone room where they would get calls from the different people in government from upstairs. It also had artifacts from the war in Churchill's life. It's located in Whitehall, as I said, under the cabinet building. It's quite close to Downing Street, so it's right there in that area. Really worth an, uh, a visit. The first thing you go through is, a, is the room that has all of the memorabilia and things like that telling the story of what happened during World War II in London. Also kind of Ch Churchill's role as it went through all of that. And then you go through the areas that have, what did the rooms look like where they stayed? Where, you know, where did they do the work that they were doing in this underground bunker? Can't say enough about it, make sure you check it out. We then paid a brief visit to the King's Cross Station uh, to visit Platform 9 and 3 quarters, which does now include a little Harry Potter tribute display that you can get your picture taken with if you want to stand in a line that looked like it probably would have taken 45 minutes to an hour. We did not stand in the line, so I can't tell you that's the time for sure, but it was a long line. Um, they had little stanchions and everything winding back and forth set up because they must have that a lot. But it was kind of fun to see it. And you see the little sign that they put up that says Platform 9 and 3 quarters. And although we didn't do it on this trip due to time, there were two things that I really enjoyed on previous solo trips that I did want to mention. One of them is London Walks. They do many, many walking tours of London to see his, the historical city center. They do a Jack the Ripper tour. They have several other specialized tours where they'll walk you through London and tell you about different sites and things like that in the area. I just can't tell you enough about how professional and fun those tours were. I learned a ton about the city on the ones I've taken and everyone has been full of great historical facts, stories, very thorough presented in a very fun way, but not like kitschy. And it's well worth the 15 pounds or so for the walk. So I highly recommend this as a great way to see a portion of the city and also learn a lot about the city and the history of the area. The ones I've been on have all been kind of like 10 to 15 people. I don't know if they get bigger than that, if they like cap it at some point. I don't know how many of them are smaller than that, but the, the two or three that I've been on were all about that size. Another place that I visited on a previous visit that we just didn't have time for on this trip was the Hampton Court Palace. This is a favorite home of Henry VIII and includes parts of the palace that date back to the Tudor reign under Henry VIII, as well as parts that were added on later by William III and Mary II. Tickets run about 27 pounds and a visit to me is well worth the train ride. The train station down from London is very close to the palace, so that makes it a very easy 
get off the train, go visit, and get right back on the train. I found the Tudor kitchens particularly fascinating, as well as the Tudor Great Hall. Um, the level of detail in the ceiling, as well as the carvings in the room, is just really awesome to see. The day I visited, it was rainy, and so I didn't get to visit the gardens, but I understand they're really cool to see as well. Just really recommend this for a place to visit, especially if you're in, especially interested in Tudor history. This is one of my favorite places I've visited near London. So this is obviously just a drop in the bucket of all the really awesome stuff that you can do in London, but I definitely included some favorites for me from our perspective and some of the things we did. I'll include some links in the note if you want to check out any of these spots or get advanced tickets for any of these things if you go. And until next time, happy travels. <laughs>